invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Revelation chapter 5. We're going to be looking at Revelation 5 verses 1 through 8 in two uh, sermons this afternoon. I'll be focusing on the first five verses. Revelation 5 beginning in verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And thus far, God's holy word. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, how we pray that you would write your word on our hearts today. We pray that you would open our eyes, that we might see glorious things in it, especially, O God, we might see the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. This might seem to be a bit of an understatement, but we, it is clear, live in very, very troubled times, times of despair, times of a sense of hopelessness all around us. I heard not too, too long ago, several years ago, not too, too long ago now that somebody said for the first time in history, the belief is prevalent in the United States that our standard of living, the present generation's standard of living will not exceed our ancestors. There is a a certain pessimism, a certain darkness that didn't start two years ago, but we have seen growing uh, in our our country, in our age, around the world. And we actually see some despair in this present passage. We see, for instance, that that, that John, uh, to give the context, John is is taken up into heaven. In chapter 4, he worship, sees a, a great worship scene, witnesses a, a great worship scene. And in chapter 5, he is introduced to a, a scroll that the one who is seated on the throne, that appears to be God himself, holds in his right hand. But none is worthy to open the scroll, to break its seals and to open the scroll. And so we see in verse 4 that that John weeps. John tells us, I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. Now, what was this scroll? I don't want to go into great detail on this or scholarly debate on this, but I think we can sum it up in this way using the language of our shorter catechism, it includes God's eternal decrees, the events that 
God has foreordained. And if we continue on, if we were to continue on into chapter 6, we would see the, the scroll being opened, the seals being broken, and we, will, we would see that that includes terror, it includes persecution, and it ultimately is going to lead to judgment. When Christ comes and, and, and breaks the seals and, and opens the scroll, that sets these events in motion. John was weeping. The elder says to him, weep, weep no more. Weep no more. And sometimes I wonder, do we weep? Are we struck with the, the weight of evil, of persecution, of sorrow, especially for unbelievers? But this one who comes, the the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he himself is, is able to uh, open this scroll, which means to set its, its words, its actions into motion. What can we say about this lion that uh, we see here in verse 5? Well, note, he's also going to be, be seen as a lamb. That's we're going to see in, in part 2 of the second sermon this morning in verses 6 and following. He's also a lamb. And, and what we see here, lion and lamb, these seems like, seem like opposite creatures. In fact, Jonathan Edwards, the pastor, theologian, referred here to this passage saying it, we see in Christ an admirable conjunction of diverse excellencies. Admirable conjunction of diverse Excellencies. The lion is, is a stately creature, but he's a devourer. He slaughters. Animals of the, the forest are, are afraid of the lion. The lamb, on the other hand, nobody's afraid of a lamb. The, the lamb falls prey easily. The lion is majestic. The lamb pictures symbolizes meekness and perhaps even weakness. But here we see Christ first and foremost as the lion. And by the way, this is the only time in the New Testament where Christ is referred to as a lion. And yet, we shouldn't downplay what we see here. There is an Old Testament background to this. It goes back to Genesis chapter 49. I believe your pastor preached on this fairly uh, recently, if I'm not mistaken, but we see there in Genesis chapter 49, Jacob is coming to the end of his life. He is blessing his sons, and he says this with regard to Judah. Judah is a lion's cub. He crouched as a lion. Who dares rouse him? And then he goes on to say, the scepter shall not depart from Judah nor the ruler's staff from between his feet. And of course, that ultimately happened. Saul, the first king of Israel, was not from the tribe of Judah, but David was. And of course, God promised that David's kingdom would be an everlasting kingdom, ultimately leading to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So what we have here is a lion who is also a ruler or a king. This is the lion king, if you want to put it that way. This is the, of course, you might expect this in a sermon on a lion. This is the Aslan here in the Bible. Perhaps C.S. Lewis chose the lion over a lamb for a, a better literary effect. I'm not sure about that. But what are the implications of this? This lion, this mighty ruler who is the, the king of the jungle, right? First of all, it tells us that Christ rules with absolute sovereignty. The picture of the lion who's going to break the seals and open the scroll indicates a sense of absolute sovereignty. As Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords, having authority over, over all rulers, all nations. This lion, who's also a lamb, Jesus Christ, is endowed with great authority, the king and, and ruler over all, the sovereign over all creation. But secondly, in our passage here, we see that he is sovereign in a different sense. He's sovereign in the sense that our catechism puts it, that he ordains whatsoever comes to pass. Notice here, he opens the seals. And what does that do? It means it sets the events recorded in the scroll in motion. By opening the seals, the events are set in motion as indicating to us that, that Christ is, is sovereign and he has ordained whatever comes to pass. He's in control. There is nothing outside of Jesus' sovereign control. This image indicates to us here the lion opening this scroll. Nothing outside of his sovereign control. When we look around and we watch the news, which is not very fun anymore, maybe it never was, there is despair. There is hopelessness. It's easy for us to, 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 to fall into a sense of deep sadness, bitter sadness, despair, hopelessness. Some of that is, is, is godly sorrow. And yet Christ is in control. When the seals are opened in, in chapter 6, we, we don't have time to look there this afternoon, but, but what do we see? It includes war. It includes death. Uh, it, it includes uh, famine. It includes disease, including plagues. Do all these things sound familiar to us today? This is what we see in the opening of these scrolls. War, death, famine, disease, plague. But Christ is sovereign. He's in control over it. The writer to the Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, at present we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, that is to Christ. 
But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Christ is sovereign, the sovereign lion king. A third thing that this imagery of of the lion indicates to us fully in line with what we see in the book of Revelation is judgment. He is the judge of all the earth. We sometimes, today, we separate, right, the the executive branch from, from the judicial branch. In the ancient world, kings were also judges. They executed judgment. They executed justice. And in fact, we're going to, we would see if we went on later that Christ terrifies his enemies because of the judgment that he's going to bring upon them that he does bring upon them. We'll look at the very end of chapter 6, the, the six seals, uh, we see the, the first six seals opened in chapter 6 with all of these ravages on the earth. But pick up at the very end in in verse 15. We read this, Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of of him who is seated on the throne from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? Fall on us. They'd rather be, be crushed by a mountain than stand before the face of this great lion king who comes to bring judgment. But you know, we can face terrors and turmoils in the world with confidence and with hope. Why? Because Christ, the lion, sits on the throne of the universe, and he will judge in righteousness. He will vindicate his people, his righteous ones, and he will bring judgment on all who oppress them. Fourth and finally, one thing we have here, one last thing we have in this passage is a reminder to us to have a holy fear of God. We would have fear of a lion if we met him not in a zoo but in the jungle. A holy fear of God. In the case of Christ, our holy fear means to approach him with with reverence and with awe. We serve and we worship a God who says the wages of sin is, is death. We are reminded by that and other passages that we all deserve judgment. And yet Christ, the lion, the lion as lamb, takes this judgment on himself. So we can say, as I conclude this afternoon, we could say with 
with Mr. Beaver, like Aslan. Christ is not safe, but he's good. He's the king. Let's pray. Our God, how we thank you for Christ, who is strong and mighty, who rules over us, and who will one day avenge himself on all of his and our enemies. So we give you praise for our Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.